Welcome to the Go Solo Show, powered by Subkit, the number one place for inspiration to help you start, run, or grow a winning business. I'm Johnny Quirk, and each week we bring you some amazing guests from a wide variety of businesses, all talking about their journey, motivations, and top tips for entrepreneur success. We deliberately aim to bring you stories, interviews, and real people who are fully deep in the trenches, building their businesses, and sharing actionable insights that you can use for your own entrepreneurial business journey. So whatever you're building, we're excited to be part of that journey with you. If you like what we do, don't forget to subscribe. Now let's get on with the show. Hey guys, Johnny Quirk back once again here to support your entrepreneurial journey. Okay, cool. So today we have Jessica Ross, marketing expert on the line. Jessica, great to have you here on the Go Solo Show. Thank you very much for having me. Um, and I'm really excited about having you here today because, you know, you've got a really amazing story about how you set up your business um, and also you support numerous other small business owners and entrepreneurs. So I think there's an awful lot to learn for people who are either starting or running a, uh, obviously a service-based business. You're known for writing edgy content, marketing, and community management. And obviously, you have a thriving consultancy business. But without me fully giving the game away, um, could you describe exactly what your business is and what it is that it does? Oh, wow. So, uh, yeah, that, uh, nice, tough one to start with because I think <laughs> I haven't found my niche yet. Um, I did uh, launch my business during the global pandemic. So I yeah. think it, my business still hasn't quite found what it wants to be. Uh, but as you mentioned, um, a lot of it is around that content marketing, uh, copywriting as well as a big part of my business. But ultimately, it's about supporting businesses to improve their brand message and actually help communicate that out to their customers, uh, whether that's to drive traffic, inspire purchases, uh, or ultimately just grow their brand awareness. Um, but it's for me, it's yeah it's been a bit of a roller coaster kind of 12 months uh yeah. like like so many other people but uh yeah there's been a lot going on we're gonna dig into that and to be quite honest I love what you just said it's like I built my or started my business during the global pandemic it's like you know what a time to start it you know there's opportunities there's problems but you know what a great time to actually do it because uh you know it's the wild west out there right now anybody can feel empowered to do anything um in essence you know what is the service or product that you sell and, and who are your actual customers? So, you know, when I say service product, it's like, you know, are they one-offs? Are there, are there, do you do stuff on retainer? Is it contract subscription-based? Um, you know, what's your USP to your customers? So in terms of kind of what I'm selling, I'd say it's me ultimately, um, more than the actual service um, because people buy into me. And I think that's that's one of the things that I've really pushed hard over the last 12 months. Uh, people can go to any agency or any freelancer for exactly the same services. Uh, so whether that's community management, copywriting, uh, social media, you know, marketing, but ultimately it's me that they like, it's me that they trust, um, trust to get the job done quickly efficiently you know I hit the ground running because I have the experience with so many other brands I can just slot right in and, and that's yeah. what a lot of brands are missing at the moment they've made you know a lot of brands have made marketing teams redundant which means there's big gaps so yeah. they maybe have the plans and they just need someone to come in and execute it and I can just do that with no questions asked really quickly um but in terms of uh sort of industries that I support it's really varied I do have a, a lot of work with recruitment uh based uh, companies just because of my background uh in recruitment marketing but there's also fitness there's chocolate uh there's publishing there's everything wow. so as a 
say, haven't found Manish yet. <laughs> but that's a nice place to be because, you know, like we talk with numerous entrepreneurs on this show. And, you know, I think for some of them are a bit more advanced than yourself, like as have been doing it maybe for three, four, five years. They're a bit like yourself where you are now. You know, they kind of took on all sorts of clients to find their niche. But now with being established, you know, they've got past that scary first few years where you're unsure what's going to happen around the next corner and they've built up a decent, you know, client base. They were able to specialize and, and find that niche. So that's actually what wins for them in terms of developing the company as well. Yeah, no, it's I definitely want to eventually niche down further. I'm I'm yeah. thinking that my niche will just find me over time. Um, but certainly, I mean, the last I mean, I've only been doing this full time, self employed for kind of six seven months, um, and it's been a real mix. I have got clients on long contracts. Um, yeah. I do retainer work, but I also do the ad hoc pieces um, because. I've got my fingers in a lot of different pies from just previous uh, working experience. So I also do web ad hoc website design, uh, you know, random bits and bobs like that. Yeah, that yeah just help keep things going because I think when you are an entrepreneur and especially starting out at the very beginning and you're looking at you know what you used to make in a full-time job yeah. and you have to take everything off of that you you want to make the most of it but ultimately that's about helping build your connections out and your skills as well I think you're right and you know you're never too sure in terms of these early days like where this will lead to like you said that yeah. niche may find you you know have then have the opportunity to build that out and like you said, you know, if, if you're not basically casting a, a far net, then there's no point in being so niche if you're actually going down one rabbit hole and realizing yeah. the demand isn't there. <laughs> what I thought was actually really great about your website is that you're very transparent about pricing as well. You know, I think with a number of kind of uh, service-based entrepreneurs or, you know, kind of like consultancy services, there has to be a next step in terms of like, a, oh, well, how much do you charge or whatever? You're exceptionally kind of like transparent about what you charge. Was that a conscious decision or were you just like, I can't be bothered fielding so many kind of inquiries? Um, it's definitely, it definitely helps with pre-qualification, I think, probably, um, you know, and certainly from looking at, you know, the data on my website, there are people that leave the page when they see that and that's yeah. fine. Um, but I think when I first started out, my prices were very different to what they are now. Um, yeah. And a lot of that was just, kind of not really thinking about the fact that you know tax comes off and national insurance comes off and all your expenses come off and you forget <laughs> yeah. it, it's not the same as like what a day rate would be in a job so so there's a lot of tinkering and figuring things out on that side um but i think ultimately for me it's about just saying this is my value and this is what i'm worth and it's not even just about this is the cost of the time it will take me because it's always that sort of cliche of it's not about the time it takes me to do it it's the 15 years it's taken to learn how to do it into 10 minutes yeah um, of course that's what, that's what you're paying for you are paying for the luxury of me being able to come in and hit the ground running without needing to ask you one question you can just get on with your job yeah. if you if you you know want to pay less um and have someone who needs a bit more handholding, needs a bit more guidance that's fine yeah. likewise there's probably someone even more experienced than me who's going to be even more expensive so yeah. i like to think i've benchmarked myself i did a lot of research and i do highly recommend mm people look at there's loads of benchmarking data reports out there uh yeah. the sort of freelancer stats um for each year so i did do that but um yeah i just yeah i suppose i did just want to be transparent and say to people this is what i'm worth i think it's worth it i mean we were actually discussing it in, across my team yesterday and it was all about you know we're working with numerous solo entrepreneurs encouraging them to start and run a business that's what go solo movement is all about but actually, it's also helping inspire and empower them to actually know their worth. It's knowing that they have value. You know, they don't need to constantly undercut. If obviously they 
are seen almost maybe premium is a is a word too often bandied about but actually people are very honest and say this is what I'm worth I think sometimes you find your level from that as well Oh yeah, for sure. And don't get me wrong. Um, I had a gentleman phone me up one day just to tell me uh, that Bill Gates called him and said he could do it for half the price. Um, <laughs> it was the most bizarre phone call I ever had. Um, I, I my response was, "Sorry, hi. Did you did you want to talk about something?" Or and he was like, "No, no, no. I just thought I'd bring you to tell you that you're really expensive." And I and I couldn't believe it because I was like, the "One, the audacity! Like, how dare you?" Yeah, but yeah, I, yeah. I think especially within the creative industry, um, there's this big thing that people expect to get a discount or get money off or negotiate. Um, I've never once considered to do that with, you know, my solicitor or my accountant. Like they tell me that this is what the service costs. And I'm Mm. like, okay, you've told me that's what the price is. I'm not going to go back to you. Like, can we haggle? Uh, But people seem to expect to be able to do that in the creative industry. It's weird. It is actually, you're completely right. Actually, that's a really great analogy for it in terms of other kind of like businesses. Yeah, it's literally just like, look, are you paying for this law firm? This is what it is, accountancy. Yeah, but like you said, in the creative industry, you're more just like, oh, I think we can get this or tell me exactly what the results are going to be or whatever you don't walk into Primark and go to the till and say sorry we, can we talk about this can I have like you know a pound off like they're not going to do it for <laughs> who knows though you should see me in some of the foreign suits when I'm away during like bartering stuff down but I think that's really cool I mean obviously it's great that you've been able to set up this business and be fully remote just want to kind of mention that guy like I think we live in the world of internet trolls but you should have complimented the guy on being super retro and being like a phone troll because who actually picks up the phone and actually makes the effort to do that it's just like it's like sorry dude you're uh you, you know you're, you're old school for me here you clearly don't get it Right. This is really cool. But I want to kind of step back like a few points because, you know, I'm really interested in terms of what actually was that. What was that one decision that made you start your business? You know, what what made you say, right, time to go solo. I'm going to go alone. And what you know, where does the passion come from each day to run your business? So, oh, goodness. So uh, I was in a full time job uh, at yep. the beginning of last year and uh, obviously COVID hit. And in May I was furloughed. And then in July I was made redundant. Um, and I think I had that really classic uh, redundant or pandundancy, uh, as everyone's calling it. <laughs> uh, I had that classic uh, redundancy feeling of oh my God, how am I going to pay my bills? You know, I, I'm going to lose like my flat, like everything's going to go wrong. So I did what any normal person would do and just applied for every job going because mm. every single job had like 3000 candidates applying. So you didn't have the luxury of cherry picking where you wanted to be. Um, and, and and I was very, very fortunate. I picked up a new job within three days and, I, and I'm wow. incredibly grateful for that because so many people were in such horrible situations. However, due to the fact that I just kind of threw my CV everywhere um, I ended up working with an agency uh, and it was it's the worst working environment I've ever been in in my whole life um, mm. it was incredibly toxic yeah. uh, they they weren't interested in employee well-being at all uh, and I I was absolutely miserable and like from day one I came home after my first day crying my eyes out said to my fiance I was like what have I done like yeah. this is horrid and that was really the catalyst. I kind of should thank them really for being so awful. Sometimes um, you need those moments. Yeah. Like, actually you go, this isn't me. This isn't what I want to do with my life. Is this why yeah. I was put on planet earth? I definitely should thank them. Cause I, yeah, it was, it was sort of, that was the catalyst for me. And, but I knew, you know, I think like a lot of solopreneurs, you find yourself in this catch 22, right? Mm. Where 
you you want to earn enough money to be able to quit your job so that you can go solo but at the same time you can't earn enough because you're working a full-time job so I essentially worked two full-time jobs in tandem so uh, I would you know I would do my day at work um, and you know during like my lunch break uh, or on the train home I'd be taking calls I would work till 11 o'clock at night uh, and that's not you know me trying to be all kind of like humble brag or anything but that's just what you got to do like everyone does you have to do it and I'd set myself a target of once I reach this amount of money that I'm bringing in that's when I can quit my job and the day I got a contract uh, from a new client Mm. I literally emailed my boss said really sorry uh but I'm not going to be coming back um sort of see you later Uh, I like that I'm expecting some kind of like your meltdown and the kind of thing like you could take your job and shove it I mean don't get me wrong I definitely wanted to go out in kind of flames like you know blaze of glory however um you never know who you might end up working with later in life so I think you know people within creative industries like others they talk and I I didn't want to make any enemies so um you know they they weren't the greatest but maybe they just weren't the right fit for me um obviously there's a lot of people who do work there who are very happy so uh but yeah I I kind of said sorry not sorry uh not coming back (laughs) See you later and that was sort of officially the launch of my business and that was on the 11th of October last year right. um, so it really hasn't been that long and it's kind of gone from one strength to like strength to strength and it's it's gone a bit bananas this year to be honest I don't really know how it's grown this quickly <laughs> well this, yeah and I mean like you know it's, it's a really great story because actually you know out of the pandemic there are so many opportunities to be had as well and, and like you said you know although you might think there's some kind of slowdown like you said, I think from a lot of companies that have had to cut their cloth, marketing's gone, you know, and it content, whatever is gone, you're actually able to fill that. And then there's there's going to be a rebound happening now, aren't it? Because there's pent up consumer demand. So actually, it's like you can offer those services right now and it's perfect time for you. Yeah, for sure. Well, this is it. Um, marketing is always the first to go in a crisis, right? Because mm. we're seen as overheads. Uh, you know, it's yeah. sometimes very difficult to prove the return on investment compared to fee earners, you know, the sales team, so they can quantify what they're doing with money coming into the business, especially yeah. during a global pandemic when no one <laughs> knows what's happening. Um, but yeah, so it has it has left those gaps for, for me to just slot into. And I'm very conscious that uh, you know, when the economy eventually recovers, mm. uh, my business could all fall off a cliff. Uh, so I'm working my absolute tushy off right now to build the business up to a point where hopefully if the economy recovers which I appreciate is better for everyone uh but if my business suffers I will have so many contacts I can call Mm. on different people I've networked with I can say like you know you're still looking for someone do you need any support that hopefully it won't have too much of an impact I think you'll be all right and I'm I'm not just saying this to everybody but I think you will (laughs) I think you know you work out obviously you've had great traction already you know appreciate the use of the word tushy before as well and also I think it's kind of like cool that you know you yeah you said you're building up the contacts you will find your niche you've got to kind of keep working on this and have great portfolio I guess show the results and you know you'll get it I think we're going to be talking about a long tail here in terms of people feeling the confidence to rehire their marketing departments so I think you'll have more than enough time to get properly established then you know potentially even growing out your team but you know we'll, we'll cover that later on Obviously, you've kind of, and I mean, it's a nice possible way, fallen into starting your own business. But, you know, was starting your own business ever a goal or a dream one day? You know, did you say to yourself at 
you know, 15, whatever, like one day I'll run my own business and I'll do X, Y, and Z. Tell me about that. Um, so I think it was probably always there in my subconscious that I thought, especially later on in life when I had a family, that maybe that would be a really flexible way for me to work. And obviously we're talking about pre-COVID where businesses just weren't flexible in terms of working at all. That yeah. would probably be different now anyway. Um, but I think it was never so much about starting my own business as much as I always knew I wasn't a very good employee. Um, <laughs> and I don't, I don't mean that in the way of I was never good at my job. Um, yeah. I just... I was, I was always destined to be my own boss. And, and I'm sure that all my previous managers would agree with that in that I'm, I like, I like to be in control of a situation, yeah. like to, you know, have that overview and, and have a baby in a project and it's mine and I have the ownership of it, but also just the responsibility, I think mm. as well, like, you know, any business you work in, you always answer to someone else and someone else always has the overall responsibility, no matter what yeah. level you get to in a business is always a, a bigger boss. So to be able to have that for me has been absolutely amazing. Um, and I never knew that that's what I needed for this much fulfillment. Um, yeah. I didn't realize that that side of it would come with this as well. So it's that's yeah. great. I mean, fulfillment as well, like you say, and after what, six, seven months now is, is incredible to feel that because this is, you know, we, we're constantly talking to entrepreneurs here, you know, Subkit and Go Solo about, you know, building sustainable businesses and it's not just all about the money. Okay, we need to cover our bills. We need to obviously have, you know, we, we always talk, I think $72,000 is like the dream amount, supposedly in the world, somebody could be earning a year to just get that sweet spot. Got more yeah. than enough to pay your bills, I guess, unless you're living in like Hong Kong or somewhere. <laughs> but, you know, like you can do everything you want, still have room for holidays, but hopefully you can develop a work-life balance that, that works for you as well. And the fulfillment element as well. It's not just all about the kind of paycheck each month. Yeah, for sure. And I, and I think, you know, to to kind of put it on two sides of the coin, um, because obviously there's, you know, it's not all lightness and, and sweetness and roses. Uh, there's mm. there's two sides to it. You know, yes, there's the, the monetary side and the fulfillment side. And don't get me wrong, I am so grateful. I like, this is a moment, this is an opportunity and I'm 100% grabbing it because, I mean, because of this and because I took this chance, I've earned enough that I can get a mortgage. And yeah. that was th this time last year, that was not a reality for my partner mm -hmm. and I with the yeah. money I was earning in my previous job. So that's amazing. Um, and those are all positives. But the amount of times that I would spend crying to my partner because I had serious imposter syndrome and I was doubting myself. And I was like, why are these people paying me money <laughs> to do work for them? Like, what's wrong with them? Like, why are they, why yeah, are they doing yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't get it. I don't understand. And, you know, he'd say, because you're good. You're, you know, and I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm like, <laughs> I, I think this is the thing people, you know, they, they, you see this stuff on Instagram and you see what's going out and people see these podcasts. It's like, oh, wow, she's done a business. But, it's tough. It's really mm. tough. And you don't see all those kind of things in the background that are happening. And I think the, the stress that does come with launching your business, it is, it is incredibly real. And I mean, I've done this whilst also having my wedding cancelled due to COVID. Um, my alopecia got so bad from the stress of COVID that all my hair fell out. So I now yeah. wear wigs time um, yeah. that's something I've been really really passionate about talking to people about because I think that's a real thing that people are really struggling with at the moment yeah. 
um, and some people for the first time. So there's really real struggles as well as, you know, to the flip side of the positives that I think is really important for people to talk about. Oh, well. And I think it's great to highlight that as well, because, yeah, it's not all roses, like you said, you know, it's like we all wish, but I think it's it's a constant. I, I, I think where I saw this diagram, but it's kind of like your expectation of where the business should be. It's like point A to point B, but it's yeah. actually up, down, up, down. And <laughs> there's a little stick figure and he's gone through like kind of like a big trough and then it's like open, whatever. It's kind of the realities of running a business. You know, we all wish that it was so easy, you know, but actually yeah. that's, that's part of the journey that solo entrepreneurs, solopreneurs are on as well. Just want to have a couple of quick questions before obviously we go into, you know, digging deep into your skills, you know, looking at kind of some of those amazing things that you can share with other entrepreneurs out there. But, you know, to talk about you starting your business as well, do you come from an entrepreneurial family as well? Like, you know, do you have that support network or is this like literally now that you're, uh, I'm saying black sheep in the family that you're kind of going for <laughs> and, and making this happen? Um, I suppose I am a black sheep, probably. Um, no, I don't. I don't think there is any anyone entrepreneurial in my family. Um, I I know certainly on my on my dad's side, he's very salesy. So that's yeah. probably. But I, to me, I just call that the gift of the gab. Uh, personally, yeah, yeah. Uh, just being charming and delightful. Um, <laughs> But no, yeah, I, I think I am kind of the first one, certainly that's had my own business and, and branched yeah. out on my own like that. Um, so I and I'm my mum's so proud of me, like so incredibly proud. She tells me all the time. But my that's my good. biggest my biggest cheerleader is my my fiance. I couldn't have done any of this without his support. He's, and he's like my PA, my coffee maker, my account. Like he does everything. He's just fab. So one day wow. I'll make him. <laughs> I'm gonna say this is impressive actually it's like that's quite a career trajectory as well from coffee maker to CEO but we've all got to start somewhere <laughs> exactly. and so you're a pioneer obviously in your family and this is great you know there's no you know perfect answer for this in the slightest it's great that you're going out on, a, on you know going solo and the kind of question I always ask all our entrepreneurs who are like I'm loving this I'm doing this again you're you're in the say honeymoon period but do you think you can ever go back to a proper salary position now, you know, like, and, and take a job? Oh, um, I mean, you're asking me this right now when my business is doing really, really well. And the answer is probably no. Um, if the economy recovers and it all falls off a cliff, then who knows? I could go and get a part time job at Asda. Um, yeah. I, I think the thing is, it's not if, you know, if time's called for it, of course, like you do what you've got to do to support, you know, yourself and your family. And I think certainly, you know, for me, I, I wouldn't ever want to, but that's just because I'm loving the freedom that I have with this, with, you know, this business yeah. now, actually the fact that thinking further ahead, when we do have a family, I can make this business work around my life instead of the other way around, which has always been, I've been, you know, a slave to someone else's wishes in the yeah. sense of you have to be here at this time. You have to be at this exact place. Uh, whereas actually, if I want to work at 11 o'clock at night or mm. one o'clock in the morning, if I can't sleep, like it doesn't matter when I get, when or where I get work done. Um, so yeah. I, yeah, I'd like to think I won't ever go back, but who knows? I'll never say never. <laughs> yeah. Okay. This is good. Yeah. Just, just in case, like, I don't know where yeah. um, you know, Mars Wrigley or whatever gives you a phone and say, we've got this contract here, CMO of, you know, our global operations. <laughs> and you go, Actually, sounds like too much effort. <laughs> I can say, yeah. If it was Mars, like if I was going to get a like a ton of free chocolate, that's a different story. So. That would be the dream, actually. Yeah, you're <laughs> yeah. just like, pay me in this. I'll take some cash as well. I still want some time to do my own stuff. Yeah. Amazing. So 
like I said, we're going to talk a little bit more now about some of your, maybe some of your tips for other entrepreneurs. Now, Subkit and Go Solo is all about helping people build subscription businesses, you know, sustainable subscription building businesses. And, you know, we work with yogis, consultants, uh, personal trainers, nutritionists, anybody who's got a great service-based business, but they tend to be small business owners or, or solo entrepreneurs. But obviously budgets are fairly low. So it's kind of like, it's not like somebody's got like a 25,000 a month kind of marketing budget. So I'd love your tips and really about how people get started or how they could tweak what they're currently doing. So using your exact own website, and this is always puts people on the spot here as well. Now you're like, oh, did I ever say that? Edgy content is something which you say that you're proud of delivering. That's something which really stands out on your website. You know, how can people be creating content that is edgy, that stands out, whether that's as a lead magnet, whether it's their audience? Tell me more. Um, okay, so I'm unapologetically me uh, on social media, and I, I have the mouth of a sailor. Um, <laughs> I, I, most, most of my social media posts start with a swear word or an aubergine emoji, something like that. Yeah, works um, for me. Well, but you know what? It works for you and it works for me, but it might not work for someone else. And I think that's yeah. one of the biggest pieces of advice I can give people is I hate the word. It's so kind of like, uh, but try and be authentic um, because, it, you know, I can put something out. But if someone else who that's not their natural kind of cadence, if they put that out, it's going to seem really jarring. But for me, that's the kind of clients that I end up working with people who are, yeah. you know, not necessarily their brand is like that, but they as people are like that so we work really well together and for me if I put out a post that has like you know like a swear word in massive capital letters at the beginning and I lose 20% of my followers I'm totally fine with that because the 80% that are left are super engaged they're ready to potentially you know buy uh, yeah. and I think that's something for people to really bear in mind is test and, and try a little bit and don't be scared if uh you do lose followers mm -hmm. but don't be afraid to have an opinion on things people think that they can't have an opinion on social media uh yeah. for, in case people say mean things to them in the comments it's like hey if they're talking about you, you, you that's successful because yeah. you've actually got people talking about what you're saying whether it's good or bad they're talking about you so yeah. my eyes are the winner I think that works really well. And I guess it's kind of probably going back to square one, maybe for some businesses. I mean, obviously some businesses are totally rocking it in terms of social and everything, but it's probably looking almost at developing a loose set of brand guidelines or just generally what you're trying to get at, you know, whether you're running a wine business, it's like, who's your angle? Like how edgy do you want to make it? Or if you're a yogi, then, you know, maybe what gets cut through obviously fits in with you yourself and what you're trying to do, but maybe gets cut through beyond some of the more traditional methods yeah, this comes back to tone of voice, right? Mm. So for, for any businesses that, that haven't established uh, a tone of voice kind of, or any kind of tone of voice guidelines, that's something I highly recommend. And when I start working with a business, if they don't have that, then yeah. we, we have to sort that because I can only go off of what, you know, I'm provided with. Otherwise I'm going to just talk to your customers in my natural rhythm. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, you don't want that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Ultimately, it's just about providing, a, like you say, really, it's not, you know, hard and fast rules. It's just, you know, maybe a few kind of keywords, you know, to sort of say we are cheeky and playful uh, yeah. or we're formal and educational um, or, you know, even a kind of few sort of, we use words like this and not this. We talk to our customers like this and not this. Um, so it's just really highlighting, 
how you actually want to be perceived by people yeah. uh, and the thing is every piece of content in my eyes should either inspire delight or educate it needs to hit one of those three markers and it doesn't matter what your tone of voice is mm. you can still hit those three even if you are like a super super corporate uh business and you need to be really formal you can still hit those three markers yeah. but i think that my biggest piece of advice for businesses is definitely you know, sometimes I speak to business owners and I'll talk to them about social content and they'll say, oh, no, 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 I don't I don't want a gift going out on there. Like, we're not like that. You know, I don't I don't like that. Yeah. And I'll say you're not supposed to like it. You're not the buyer. Not the target you're, audience. You're not the consumer. Exactly. Yeah. Um, they're like, but I don't like it. And it's like, yeah, but you, you don't have to. <laughs> it's trying <laughs> yeah. to get that across them. And I think this is the thing sometimes people need to get out of their own heads and really look at their buyer personas and their demographics. And, if, and this comes back to the research. If they've not done that research and the tone of voice beforehand, that needs to be done before you can do anything cool or edgy. Yeah, that, that's, that's amazing advice, to be quite honest. I think as well, you know, if you're, if you have a business and like you said, you know, if you're actually putting out great content, then, you know, you will attract the right kind of people. There is no point in trying to be something that you're not really as well. So persona work, making sure that you've got some kind of strategy. And I guess, you know, it's even maybe comes down to content curation. It's kind of like the stuff that you're sharing will help you naturally get that brand because actually you, I guess, probably have in mind where you want to take the company, even if you haven't written it down, you've got some kind of idea about what you're trying to convey and the attitude and stuff like that. So yeah, brilliant. That sounds great. And I also want to kind of jump on, because I know obviously you do a lot of community management support as well and talking about community. Community is such a, massive i wouldn't say buzz term because community's been around but it's definitely community driven businesses community-led businesses talking about people you know and sharing the experiences of people and connecting them is so so important but you know i try to encourage people who i work with to think of community as everything you know like whether it's your social media channels it's your mailing list it's any touch points it's whatever it's basically your audience your leads they could literally be turned into kind of community but what do you think makes a great community manager and and you know for a community-led business what would be a great kind of initial strategy there so my my first thing that i'll always say to anyone is if a customer has chosen a particular platform to speak to you on that's the way you need to communicate with them Mm. um the amount of times that i'll see you know someone messages a facebook page and the reply that they get is oh great thanks for that can you send us an email or can you give us a phone call all the time yeah it's it's like they have chosen to communicate with you through Facebook because that's the way that they feel comfortable or Twitter yeah. or Instagram DMs or Carrot Pigeon, whatever, whatever yeah. they've chosen. That's the way they have chosen. Your customer has chosen that. And no business can be so arrogant as to say, well, actually, we, we want to communicate with them on this platform instead. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it does my head that. in that, actually, where you have written a Facebook <laughs> message or something and you think, well, why are you on that platform if you're not willing to do it? You know, like if you have that as your another shop window, then should be willing to do that yeah exactly and i think a lot of it probably comes down to resources if i'm honest um mm. you know especially when brands aren't sure what they need to be doing with social they they go in and they go right we need a facebook a linkedin a tiktok a snapchat we need all of this and then they go oh shit we've got no one to run it yeah. <laughs> we've got no one to look after it and then obviously the customer service starts slipping no one's engaging with the community uh, yeah. and it all starts going you know upside down and i think definitely making sure you've got enough bodies to to actually be hands-on with your customers is a really really important thing to bear in mind uh, if yeah. you're just starting out and you don't have that resource you know just 
obviously you'll have done your research you should know where your customers are they're not going to be on all of the platforms anyway yeah. everyone should know this by now um each platform's for a different type of customer but then it's not just about you know like hitting like on a customer's comment it's about actually starting a conversation with them or mm. sending them a link to you know they've made a comment oh you'll like this product as well then if you like that one yeah. um or you know if you've got a community and a group as well actually sharing content exclusive content with a face you know a secret group on facebook maybe yeah. um you know any anything like that where you can kind of really get a conversation going uh or user generated content actually sharing content from your followers on your pages mm. uh those are all really really important ways to kind of keep it going 360 uh yes yeah, definitely it's definitely all encompassing for sure so you're kind of like more of a facilitator and uh you know to, to i think i stole this from that steve jobs movie but you know almost like playing the orchestra really do you know what i mean like it's actually moving stuff around as opposed to actually just feeling like everything has to be through the prism of yourself it's more yeah. like maybe you take 20 percent of it but actually the rest of it should be curation and sharing and the like as well yeah no definitely and I, I think it's like yeah what you said there was was a really lovely analogy I think I, I always think of community management as a do you remember roller coaster tycoon I do uh, very much where you you would constantly be kind of you know adjusting the prices of your rides and the customers would come and then they'd run away because you put them up you know the prices up but then you put a special offer on in the park entrance and they'd come back in and yeah. you're constantly testing and trialing and moving things constantly that's how I see community management it's about you know gaining feedback moving parts moving pieces keeping the business going essentially because otherwise if all your social media channels are is broadcast if you're just if it's literally a one-way message what is the point of you having those pages you might as well get rid of them all and put your investment and resources into something else yeah and when do you think is it's important to maybe put a sales message in you know like you know i want to play devil's advocate here do you think actually like you know it might come from that it will it will ambiently organically happen from what you're doing or do you think there has to be a balance between sales which this could be using newsletter or using social or using your one url or link tree or whatever like you know when do you basically start bringing up the conversation about sales so I think it does depend on your industry and, and what your business is as well. Um, you know, if you've got a really sexy product to sell uh, and people are following, say, your Instagram page, those people are already super engaged, right? Because yeah. they're, they're following your page. It's a very visual page. It's there's actual pictures of products and it links back to a shop where they can buy them instantly. So I think in that sense, having those kind of sales messages is really appropriate. But mm. then, you know, for example, with my business, um, if I just posted out on LinkedIn, oh, do you need help with your social media? Contact me today. Like people are going to be like, what? Uh, <laughs> it, it has to be much more subtle than that. Yeah. Um, and, and it's more about sharing information that solves people's pain points. Mm -hmm. So the, the example I always give is if you're a company that sells hair dryers, you don't want to put something out that just says, buy our hair dryer. We're amazing. We have the best hair dryer. We're a war burning hair dryer. Yeah. You want to put out a piece of content that says how to style your hair for, you know, date night. And then yeah. what you do is you list all the products that help style your hair and you, you know, you get a stylist to give a comment and some advice. Mm. And then you sneak in somewhere in that your hair dryer. Yeah. Uh, and it's really subtle and really simple and you haven't had to scream in people's faces, buy me, buy me. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, when I'm setting up my new hairdryer business, because I'll take that 
at face value. You know, there you go. I've got it. I've got it cracked. I've just saved myself some serious money here, guys. So it's just uh, very, very cool. And, you know, I guess probably the final kind of tip I really am interested in kind of digging a bit deep is, you know, what's your thoughts on, I mean, I guess it'll come down to resources and budgets. But what's your thoughts on SEO and long-term reach? You know, like if I'm a yogi, say I run a business and I'm running classes each week, um, do I want to be going more for the instant kind of hit? Do you know what I mean like that? Or should I be blogging regularly to drive traffic? I know it may be, again, you say, like, it depends on what kind of industry, but, you know, like, like, like how much time should I be spending on mail, more like long form kind of writing if, again, I'm doing it myself? Yeah, so um, SEO is really important. And I am a, a big advocate of blogs because they definitely do drive traffic to your site. Mm. Um, and I think the thing that people struggle with is writing for both Google and for humans. Yeah. Um, you, you tend to find that articles are either written with SEO in mind, and you can tell when someone's not an SEO copywriter, um, they're either they're either written with just keywords stuffed everywhere, <laughs> like every yeah. fourth word is a keyword, and you're like, this doesn't even make sense anymore. Uh, or that there's absolutely there's no headers. There's, you know, there's no subheaders, there's no keywords, there's no actual thought to structure. And, and it's a lovely piece, but it's, it's just a puff piece. There's nothing there that's going to yeah. drive anything. Um, so it obviously one of the things I'm like, oh, just hire me. Like I can do both for you. Uh, but for people who don't, there's a really, really great uh, set of tools out there um, that you can use. One of them is Hemingway Editor. Um, yep. That's going to help with writing for humans, right? So that helps with things like passive and active voice, uh, whether you've got enough like adverbs, things like that. And then, so you can run that through that and it will give you all the highlights. It'll tell you everything. Then the second one is seoreviewtools.com and you can use their content analysis tool and essentially you put in the keywords and not only will it tell you if your actual article is you know seo friendly it also allows you to put in the description and the slug so you can actually do your metadata as well and people forget about the back end as well. Yeah. So when they're thinking about SEO, you can write a blog, but if you don't make sure that your image has alt text on it, mm. or it doesn't have a meta description, you know, the little excerpt that comes up when people search on Google, if it doesn't have the information in there, Google's just not gonna, it's gonna bypass it. So yeah, yeah I definitely recommend those uh, as really yeah. great starting points. That, that, that's really good advice. You know, I think from experience back in the old days when I obviously wasn't doing this, <laughs> I've worked for numerous startups myself, you know, when I've been using say something like a WordPress site for myself, using something like Yoast has been okay. such an amazing plugin because like all the stuff you just mentioned is great. You know, like you can, it really kind of gets the sweet spot, you know, when I've been writing blogs for us at Subkit, you know, I had to make the decision early on, like, am I writing for SEO? Or am I writing for this to actually be a real human piece, which was actually trying to describe the company? And I kind of, you know, put some keywords in there. Obviously, we want some kind of long tail on this. But I think for us as well, it was a case of saying, right, this is, this is a blog which is going to talk about the values of the company or the industry we're operating in or whatever. It's a great kind of, you know, it's all about looking at the why you're doing these. It was more of like, can this convey to our new hires exactly why they should join? Can this convey to the outside world what we're trying to build and why? If I had just stuffed it full of keywords, then it probably would have just literally just been like, what the hell is this? <laughs> like, this is not an article. It's literally just like a search. So 
getting that balance right, I think, is so, so important. So, again, I love the fact that you've uh, linked to those two. I'm, I'm going to link it, obviously, in our uh, in I'm, our I'm blog. not on any kind of commission or anything, so I should this be. Is a, this is why you send me the URL thing over as well. You're like, oh, yeah. this does look like an affiliate link. <laughs> right, you'll be pleased to know we're now moving on to our rapid fire round. So, uh, again... Don't feel like it just has to be one word answers. You can give a little bit of flavor to it, you know, if you just want to kind of, you know, explain yourself. But I'm um, going to hit you up with this first one now. Who are your favorite entrepreneurs in life and why? Um, so I actually really love the guys at Skinny Food, uh, Wayne Starkey and James Whiting, because I think that what they've been doing with Skinny Food Co. has just been absolutely amazing. The the sort of growth that they've been achieving is just fantastic. I'm a massive customer fan loyal ambassador half of their uh i think half of their money comes to our house actually you know, my <laughs> wife's constantly got a box arriving from them as well oh amazing yeah no I've, I've got probably about 12 uh bottles of their barista coffee syrup uh yeah. in my house right now um so i'm pretty sure i should have own shares or something <laughs> in the company i'm now, sure but... they'll crowdfund at some point you'll be able to get involved <laughs> But you know what? They just seem to be going from strength to strength and actually they're, they're really up for trying lots of different things and what they've yeah. been doing on social is really good. So and I like the fact that they are founders that understand they have to use social media because too often founders just think, well, I've got a social media team. They'll just do the company pages yeah. and everyone else can do it. The young ones can do it. And they're just totally engaged with the business and they talk to their customers on a daily basis, which I, yeah, I love it. I think you're right. I mean, like some businesses do a great job of that. You know, this isn't, you know, I think this, you know, who do the kind of like fake meat kind of parts. I think they've got a really great social touch. You know, you can really buy into that and it feels very natural. There's one called Dead Happy as well, which is like oh, life insurance. But yeah, but exactly. It gets, they're saying life insurance. I mean, who the hell wants to follow that on Instagram? But actually it's such a good page it kind of transcends it and makes you think you know and it makes you start thinking oh maybe i should be doing something a bit different so i like what you just said there as well so uh yeah if it's not amazon it's skinny usually coming to our house basically so uh you know <laughs> jeff bezos is going to buy a new yacht due to uh, all the stuff oh, that's been no, coming this year together yeah for sure no, I and i have so. to say i definitely admire dead happy like their copywriting i just oh i love it it's it, yeah. it's it's definitely me like i totally resonate with that <laughs> yeah but it cuts through doesn't it, it makes a boring kind of business into something that and it's very kind of and i say this literally right on the kind of cusp of turning really old but like you know very millennial heavy focused in terms of like you know if people know they probably need life insurance but why go through just one of the older businesses that's been around yeah. for a few hundred years why not do something a bit different so um in life who's your most inspiring person and why oh um i don't think i can say one particular person sort of has inspired me I guess but the one person I follow the most uh and I'm most interested to see anytime they talk uh is Dan Kelsall um from Offended Marketing uh he is just an absolute legend uh and he once replied to one of my comments and I fangirled completely um it was amazing but his <laughs> uh, his book which is called uh fucking good content um is amazing and, yeah, and yeah. I, I took it with me to Africa when I went on holiday and I read it by the pool and it was just brilliant and he he just I think similarly to me he kind of doesn't give a shit yeah. uh he, he doesn't care what just... people think he's just unapologetically him he's the same with clients as he is with his mates down the pub and that's exactly how I am and I think yeah. that's why I really resonate with him 
That's great. And also, like, are there any other business books, online resources you'd maybe point people towards that are in your kind of industry, you know, whether that's marketing, content, community, like, you know, what, what other places do you think would give people a, a really good kind of boost? Yeah, so definitely in terms of helping me feel more confident um, with sales is Benjamin Dennehy, who's the UK's most hated sales trainer. Uh, <laughs> I know, great name, but honestly, yeah. find him on YouTube because he's absolutely amazing. And just watching his videos, sometimes like, I haven't had to cold call people, but I feel like if I do have to cold call people, I will have so much confidence because of him to do that. Yeah. Um, so if, if that's, uh, you know, something within your business that you're really struggling with, definitely recommend him. Certainly from the copywriting side, um, obviously my main background was recruitment marketing. Um, so certainly on that side, um, it's Mitch Sullivan. And again, he's someone who's very unapologetically himself. Mm. Uh, but he's kind of the only real person who offers proper copywriting training for recruiters, which is really, really needed uh, yeah. in my eyes. And yeah, he's just, he just kind of tells it as it is uh, with, without smoke screens. And is just really honest about everything. Brilliant. That's all really good. And again, that's going into our, our big blogs that we're putting together <laughs> here. A very, very long list. I think this is episode 17 of our podcast. So it's going to be a big list by the time we get up to yeah. episode 100. Um, <laughs> I know you've only been doing this for seven, eight months, whatever, but you know, what would do you think would be one thing that you could do every single day that would have the most impact for your business? Oh, um, probably, probably just wake up on time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think I've, I have definitely um, utilized the fact that I now can work flexibly. And mm. for me, um, getting up in the morning is always a struggle. I'm a night owl, you know, yeah. I'm, I, I struggle to sleep. So I can be awake till one, two in the morning. I'm absolutely fine. That's just my, my natural circadian rhythm, I think. Uh, so I use that luxury to do it, but I probably lose out on an hour or two every day that I could do a bit more. So yeah. I'd say, yeah, probably get up uh, a little bit earlier. Uh, Oh, that's good. There doesn't have to be like, oh, I do content marketing, whatever. That's what <laughs> you think would have the most impact. But it's true. I think the circadian rhythm is, is, is so important to look after. I mean, yeah. I have kids, so I like I'm up at seven every morning, you know, so I can get to a point where I can get them ready and take them to school in the mornings. But then actually, naturally, I'm a night owl. So I tend to kind of prefer working as well, or especially when I run my own business, working later into the night. So kind of like the rubber has to hit the road at some point in the middle where I'm trying to make sure I can get up, but then also not working ridiculous hours late at night. So should I definitely work on myself being able to finish at a certain point and, and yeah. make myself more working in the day so as I can have some kind of chill time before bed. Because again, if you I go to bed... Your health, for sure. Like it's important you can't run a business if you're not, you know, looking after yourself. So exactly natural thing, take yeah. advantage of it. <laughs> and I think sleep is so important as well. You know, like, you know, we chatting with somebody the other day who was talking about the emphasis on sleep but it is so important you know like we all feel much better after a great night's sleep so uh, that's the kind of dream 15 hours a night will do <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, at I least... don't have kids yet so we'll wait and see if mine gets uh if yeah. mine changes <laughs> well yeah I, I don't want to you know do a uh, you know tldr <laughs> but it, it will <laughs> so we'll see <laughs> um what do you think you would maybe do differently Again, I mean, you might not be someone who looks back, but say like setting up your business and getting things off the ground, you know, what do you think maybe you would say to yourself, I could have maybe done that a bit better next time, you know, taking it as a learning. Honestly, I think it's more um, sort of business operation side of things. I think especially when you're, when you're running a business where you are both 
running a business and being the business mm. um sometimes it can be really hard to just get on top of like the admin side of things so I really wish that I'd got myself an accountant at the very beginning uh because yeah. that would have saved me a whole lot of stress <laughs> uh, yeah. and you know she like she recommended you know automation software like zero for me to use for my bookkeeping um and I think a lot of those things that that were more admin-y like I use toggle to track my time mm. I find that really really helpful especially when I'm on retainer and, and I'm doing you know time-based uh activities and I was just manually logging all these things into spreadsheets and, and my brain was just ready to burst. I was ready to just chuck my laptop in the ocean because I had that yeah. many Excel spreadsheets and I couldn't, I didn't know what they were all for. Um, and all it took was one calc, you know, one cell to have an error. And that was it. The whole thing went wrong. Oh, so if you can, I would definitely advise people anything where you can automate, outsource, make your life a bit easier on that side of the business just do it straight up straight yeah. from the beginning um don't sort of think oh i'll do that in six months when i'm earning more money like because that's going to make it 10 times harder because you have so yeah. much to do get it done at the beginning because then it will save you time in the long run amazing that's great advice and what do you do for work-life balance uh some people just laugh at this question and go what but a uh, you know what sort of stuff do you do on a daily basis to just keep yourself grounded and like you know keep it all together basically so um and apart from you know not getting up on time uh, <laughs> I, I i try to adopt a generally standard sort of monday to friday similar because that's when my clients work so i do understand yeah. that but at the same time for me it's about knowing that actually if i have a dentist appointment or i i need to pop to the shops or i need to go to the post office I have the flexibility and the luxury to just go do it. I don't have to ask someone. I don't have to tell someone. I don't have to think, oh God, I should be back. I need to be back in 15 minutes in case someone notices I'm gone. Like I just go and do it. And for me, that is the biggest like way off knowing that I can just go do whatever I want. Um, You know, my partner went to view houses and the estate agent was like, oh, did you get the day off? And I was like, no, I run my own business. I can do what I want. (laughs) I don't have to ask people for days off. Um, But I think, you know, people have to remember you know everyone thinks oh it must be really easy you can just work whenever you want you don't have to do anything and it's like Mm. actually I have to do twice as much as probably someone in a normal job and actually if I want to have a week off on holiday I'm gonna have to do like essentially three weeks worth of work in the week before be able to do that because I don't get holiday pay so it's yeah yeah, roundabout I love it yeah, that's great. And I guess, you know, like you said, it seems like you're prioritizing those moments when you do need to have that flexibility as well, which, which is so strong. Um, how do you respond to setbacks, though? Like, you know, I know you've said, you know, back in the old days, the the old you before you set up your dream business was like, oh, shit, I'm crying on my fiance's you know, shoulder or whatever, you know, but running your own business now, you know, how do you respond to setbacks? You know, do you have any kind of hacks or tips? Or are you just like, do you know what? Screw it. I'm going to, you know, it'll be all right tomorrow. Um, so outwardly, for anyone else, I'm like, yeah, come on, let's do it, let's go. But um, inwardly, I'm like, oh my God, what just happened? Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm like falling apart. Um, I think, no, I think it's important to be able to fall apart, if I'm honest. Mm. Um, and I think actually people really don't talk about the mental health side of starting up a business. Uh, yeah. 
exactly how, how how it can almost like twist your mind and trick you, you know, tell you you're not good enough, um, make you doubt everything and all the worries you have financially, you know, what's going to happen. Mm. It's a lot and it's a lot to cope. So I would just say, make sure you've got a massive support network because for me, that's how I cope with setbacks. It's my fiance, it's my mom, it's my best friend. It's the people yeah. that I can reach out to who when I'm being hyper irrational, like, oh my God, this is happening. Yeah, yeah. And I say it to them and they're like, okay, so that's solvable. So let's just go back and talk it out. And then we're like, oh, it's actually, yeah, it's not too bad. Yeah, okay. Support network, you know, and uh, I'll give my number after this, you know, I could be on hand. It's like, it'll be all right. <laughs> so stay here. Tomorrow is a new day. It's just yeah. get, lot, get lots of rest, you know, get in there as well. Um, as an entrepreneur, what does success ultimately mean to you? Okay, so I'm going to be... I mean, I don't know if I'm going to be the one that's like, oh, you're not supposed to say that. Um, but for me, definitely monetary is a, is a, is a big one um, yeah. because I've always had jobs where I haven't earned a lot. So for me, that's a massive thing. Um, and I'd say it's more the marker of like, you've made it. Yeah. Uh, but in terms of just success in life, uh, for me, you know, I've got a wonderful fiance that I'm going to marry next year, COVID dependent, hopefully. Yeah. Uh, we're buying a house. Uh, we, we've got all this stuff to look forward to. So for me, I, that that's more of a success for me than, yeah. than the monetary things. But the money has allowed me to do those things. Of and course. I think that's really important for people to remember money is important. And as much as people will go, oh, it's not about the money. It is. It is about the money. And anyone who says differently is lying. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's true. Because I think, you know, like, people say words like freedom, like whatever, but actually that still comes from actually making enough money to live. You know, it's some people will say, well, it's actually building a sustainable business so I can go on holiday, you know, five times a year. That's great. But like you said, to do that, you need money as well. So I think having that as a North Star in terms of like, I mean, maybe not a North Star, it's not a marketing strategy or, or a strategy to say, <laughs> yeah, I want to make, you know, 100 grand this year. But it's actually yeah. to say, well, actually, do you know what? That is going to make sure I have a great life. So this is where I should be aiming as well. Um, I bump into you in the street in three or four years' time. I say, Jess, how's life going? You know, how's the business? Where do you want it to be in three or four years' time? Oh, goodness. This, is, this almost makes our guests just go, oh, actually, right, maybe I should work on a new business plan or something after this. But, you know. I mean, it's really tough, actually, because for me, in, in three, four years' time, I'm, you know, in theory, we'll be married and hopefully have one, maybe two babies, uh, which I don't have right now. So actually, potentially things might have slowed down and, and yeah. I'm kind of okay with that. And I think this is the thing. I Right now, what I'm doing with my business and what my goals are and, and the money and things, that's what's important to me right now. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, this business was all about me being able to have a flexible life. And mm. if later on that means having slightly less clients and working slightly less hours, Hours, but still doing it alongside having a family I'm okay with that I can ramp it up another you know ramp it up and ramp it down depending on when I need it which is great yeah. um so but yeah so I'm I I don't necessarily need to have like uh team of to 10 four, or four offices you know <laughs> go to Tokyo yeah I, I that would be lovely don't get me wrong I'd love an yeah, empire yeah. but it, yeah, I'm, it's not the be all and end all for me. Um, I, I just, yeah, I for me, I just want to be happy in life. And if, if being happy in business helps me to be happy in life, then I, that's all good with me. Great answer. Tick, <laughs> you, you nailed that one. Um, for, for, final question, you'll be pleased to know. But um, 
for anybody who's thinking about taking the plunge, whether that's a, a bit like you kind of said, you start almost like a side hustle, like doing two jobs because they know when, at the end of the day, they want to also run their own thing full time. Or they're thinking about just saying, do you know what? I either hate my job or I've just been made redundant, but I'm fed up of looking through jobs. What advice would you give to people who are thinking about going solo? Um, so I'm sure like most people's answers, it's just do it. Mm. <laughs> but um, I think you do have to be realistic. And that is something that I would always say to anyone. I couldn't have done what I did if I didn't have, you know, support network around me people who were there to to guide me through it also just the contacts that I'd made people I could call on for advice you know when everything went to part I could actually call other business owners and ask them what have you done what experience have you had um but also making sure you have a monetary safety net I personally think that that's really really important um I know people have gone off and done it with pounds you know to their pocket and that's great but you have to make sure you look after yourself and if you want to go after a dream go for it and give it a go but say to yourself you know if I haven't hit x amount of money within say three months like I need to go back and find a job like you know and and then maybe try it again later I think it's important to set yourself those goals early on and recognize that you need you need because you want to look after yourself and make sure you're you're covered all bases don't beat yourself up too much about it as well like you said you know you can always find a hybrid until you get to a a tipping point of success as well um the real final question is, first off, I just want to obviously say thanks for coming on the show today, but, uh, you know, where can people find you? You know, where do you want to point people towards your website, socials? You know, you go for it. So uh, jessicaross.co.uk is my website. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn as a Jessica Wicks Brackets Ross. Uh, yeah. So when I actually get married, I'll, <laughs> I'll obviously change that. Uh, Twitter, I'm keeping it Welsh and Instagram, jesswicks 24 amazing right well i'm going to get following uh, yeah, after this which is brilliant uh, i've really enjoyed our chat today jess because actually you know like it's it's just been you know it's, it's a real story that's actually in its kind of you know i wouldn't say infancy because you know things are going really well but you can really feel the enthusiasm it's been very honest i think there's a lot of people out there who are thinking about doing their own thing no matter what that interest is we'll get a lot from today so jessica ross thanks for coming on the go solo show today and uh, i look forward to catching up with you soon take care okay. Thank you so much for having me. No probs. Cheers. Thanks a lot. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Go Solo Show, powered by Subkit. We hope you've had a great time and picked up many new ideas for your own business. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and to follow us on Twitter at team underscore go solo. If you're inspired to get started on your own enterprise yourself, then check us out at subkit.com. We're here for whenever you're ready. I've been Johnny Quirk, and until next time, keep winning.